0: It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. Uh, welcome to Rico Bronia. First of all, let me apologize. The reason why Hoff and I did not do a Rico Bronia right after the shocking David Robertson trade was because I didn't finish the freaking game until God knows what time. And I'm kind of glad we didn't record a Rico because the anger I had. And a lot of it was rational. Some of it was irrational. I admit that the anger I had after finding out about the Robertson trade seconds after finishing the Met game after a very, very long day, I was angry. And I admit some of the tweets I sent out probably don't make any sense. It was unfair. As bad as Billy Epler may have been at times to compare him to Billy King and John Idzik. I may have taken it a little bit too far, but I was shocked. Because like all of us, if you stayed up through the rain delay, and for me it was weird, I got home late, Uh, I watched the game, I didn't score it, I was that tired, I actually didn't take the scorebook out, which is a rarity. But I started the game, I'm watching it, I'm watching it, rain delay comes obviously in this huge spot in the bottom of the eighth inning, and then I just start fast-forwarding the rain delay, and I was so far behind, my rain delay took me five minutes. (laughs) That's all it was. And then I got to where the game resumed, Obviously, they win. Marcana, sacrifice, fly. When Brooks Raley's pitching the ninth inning, my thought was, oh, crap, Robertson's hurt. It really didn't even go to a trade because I didn't think five days ahead of the trade deadline, even though his name certainly was going to be out there and we were going to talk about him, I just didn't think he would have been traded on Thursday night. So I assumed injury. I assume that's why... He wasn't available, even though he was warming up earlier. Maybe he felt something while he was warming up. I don't know. Then I started to think for a sec, you know what? Maybe it's a weird up-down thing where he was warming up, then he sat down. They don't want to do it to him again. So that's what my mind's telling me as Rayleigh gets the three outs and the Mets beat the Nationals. And then immediately, when this game ends, I go to my phone, and the first message I saw was from you, Pete. You were the one who broke the news to me that David Robertson was traded and it was, it was a kick in the balls, man. Even before I saw what the return was, as I have expressed to you on this podcast, certainly on The Fan with Tiki, this was the give-up move. And I didn't want to make the give-up move. I wanted to make strategic selling, not the sell that really ends your year. So even before seeing what they got back, my reaction was anger.
1: Yeah, and I'm sorry to break the news to you. I'm not usually that type of guy to break news. I just kind of like work with it. Um, and and it, it, dude, it was, it was odd because again, I'm in, I'm in real time, and it doesn't make any sense anything that's going on. And you're right. Like, like at this moment in time, why do we? Why it, it's as a whole, Evan? I'm still confused at this whole season. And that just adds more to the confusion. You know, I think it was. And by the way, here's the message
0: Pete sent me. Robertson gone, period, to the Marlins. That's that's all I got. So you didn't even give me a, we got teenagers back. Uh, I don't like the return. I love the return. I'm not even sure if in that moment of that text, you knew what the return was. No. But but I see Robertson gone, and then to the Marlins, pissed me off even more because they're one of the teams the Mets are going to need to pass in this wild card dream.
1: Well, that's, also that, that, that's why the confusion hit. Like, we're sitting there in real time getting that Robertson gets traded. No one knows the details, so you're like, oh, okay, this is going to be juicy. And you see the Marlins, and it just the, – the heart sinks a little bit because you're like – what the hell are we doing? Like, the end, a, a rival in the vision? Come on. Well, it,
0: it feels as if they didn't have the same fantasy that I had and maybe some Met fans had. And it's weird. Like, we got a ton of emails, obviously, in the last 24 hours, mostly just destroying Billy Epler, angry at Billy Epler. But most Met fans over the last couple of days and weeks has essentially given up. Now, they basically said, we're done. And, and I think I'm a little bit of both, where I don't think the Mets are making the playoffs. I don't think the Mets are going on any kind of run. But because they were still within, I guess, sort of striking distance at seven games out, six games in the loss column, I didn't want to completely give up. I wanted to strategically give up. And that's why I was always okay with trading Tommy Pham. I was always always okay with trading Marcana. I was even okay with Carlos Carrasco, Jose Quintana because I looked at those guys and said, hey, if you can get decent returns, average returns, I believe they're replaceable. I believe that the dream of getting hot and going on some type of run could happen even without those guys. When we did the Rico halfway through the season pod, I made the case to you. I stand by it and I appreciate Gary Cohen even saying the same thing on the broadcast on Friday that David Robertson was the first-half MVP. I think the way he said it was, you could make the case he was the first-half MVP. I did. I did it to you. I did it on that pod, and I stand by that. And so I just didn't want to trade him. And so my anger from Thursday night was first just about that, about that weird slap in the face of, wow, this season really is over. They they, they really are giving up. And you you could talk about it. You can hear rumors. But until – something actually happens it doesn't feel real and for the last few months we as fans have watched them every night we've been frustrated by this team every night but there's always been that glimmer of hope that they can turn it around and and finding out the news that Robertson was traded was the punch in the stomach of the Mets have admitted they're not turning it around the Mets have even said this thing is over and that was the shock now the return Okay, so here's my reaction to the return that they got. When I first saw it, yeah, I had that same, wow, these guys are teenagers. Wow, these guys aren't pitchers. Now, that doesn't mean that the Mets had to trade David Robertson for a pitcher that was close. As much as maybe that would have been my preference, looking at what Philadelphia gave up last year, this Ben Brown. who doesn't have great numbers at AAA, but the Cubs got back a starting pitcher, who's probably a year away from being in their rotation. I think to all of us, if that was the return, you know, a triple a or double a starter that was close. Maybe we would view this very, very differently. They don't have to get that back. But I think last night or Thursday night, my reaction was shock that it wasn't that it was shock that, wow, we're looking at kids who are teenagers and look, I brought this example up and I think this is always a good example to think back to when the LA Dodgers traded for Josh Fields, they gave up a young unknown minor prospect named Jordán Alvarez. And now we look at it as one of the great trades, the Houston Astros have ever made. Is it possible that a few years from now, we are looking back at this trade and laughing and saying, can you believe this? Can you believe that Billy Epler, who's been gone for five years now because we fired him, can you believe that he somehow got back this? You know what I mean? Like, that's on the table. Like, I'm not one to tell you that these teenagers are nobodies. Like, all I knew, all I knew about what they got back is what we all read. I look up Marco Vargas like everyone else. I look up Ronald Hernandez. I see his age. I see the where he's ranked in the Marlins system, which is not that high, which I also get when you're that young and you're that far away, those rankings mean nothing. They really don't because in two years, he could be the top 50 prospect in baseball. So, yeah, there's the possibility that this trade will look utterly brilliant In a couple of years, but it's very difficult right now in the short term to wrap our head around the fact that these kids aren't projected to be in the major leagues for four or five years. We have no idea if they're going to pan out to even become top line prospects. And you did it in completely giving up the season. So I'm not shitting all over the return. None of us know what the return is, but it's tough to digest that the return is not something we are going to really see or benefit from for a couple of years.
1: And not to mention the fact is that we have – a GM and a front office that right now everything they're doing, I don't think they know how to evaluate their own players, their own prospects. None, not, and then we're talking about evaluating another team's prospects. I don't trust them. I'm sorry, they couldn't figure out that Francisco Alvarez is going to be a stud this year.
0: <laughs> no, I, I, I get that. I get that. I mean, we, we don't trust this front office. That's why everything I've tried to read over the last 24 hours is from other people, like not the Mets, like from fan graphs and minor league experts and not people linked to the Mets because I don't trust them. I agree with you. And it it sort of sucks that the Mets win on Thursday. That was ugly. It was not pretty, but they do win. They now went on Friday. We're recording this right after the game on Friday. Max Scherzer was great. You know, give him his flowers. He pitched fantastic. Pete Alonzo with two bombs of home runs, a three-run shot in the fifth, a two-run shot in the seventh. So now he has 30 home runs and 73 RBIs. And all of a sudden, the Mets have won two in a row. And all of a sudden, the Mets are, like, relatively hot. (laughs) You know? If you go back to the finale of, I guess, the Dodger series, what is it? Win a game, two out of three, lose two out of three. So, four and three, five and four. They're seven and four in their last 11 games, which is adorably mediocre. It's funny that I look at that and say, oh, they're hot. (laughs) I mean, they're, they're not, but they are. But they at least have started off this stretch against Washington and Kansas City pretty positively. That's, that's a plus code. I single was great on Thursday. Max was great on Friday. Pete Alonzo's red hot. And the bottom line is they're slowly trying to get out of this hole now. Five games under 500, Six games in the loss column. And as Casey Manning wrote in the email, can we have one, one nice night as a fan? We stay up late. We get a nice win. And 10 seconds later, we're told the season is over. <laughs> that, that is the feeling that we all had. That's why I was so emotional on Thursday night. And that's why a lot of us were. I'll go through these emails that we got. It's anger and it's shock because we were told in one fine swoop, your season's over. And that's what that trade was.
1: Could I just uh, interrupt really quickly? Because I think I have, they. I just saw some quotes from Max Scherzer who just spoke not too long ago. And he himself was surprised on the David Robertson trade. And quote unquote, he has to have a conversation with Mets brass regarding the direction they intend to take with the team. Well, I, I I'd assume he
0: wants out. I mean, what, what the team is not trying to win this season anymore. So I don't understand if the Mets could make a trade for Max Scherzer, which a uh, news for you, Max, you're not exactly valuable around major league baseball. You're making forty four and a half million and a dollars. You're having a very average season. I, I, for his standards, it's a bad season. But this is the the stress, the point I've tried to stress whenever talking about trading Scherzer or trading Verlander. Well, for him, it's not good. And for our standards of him, it's not good. He's gone out there. He's got a basically a four ERA. He has some really good performances like we saw on Friday. He's got some mediocre performances. He is a middle-of-the-rotation arm. He's obviously overpaid when you're making $45 million a year. But replacing that is not easy. Like, that's not, his production this season is not easily replaceable. So he could go to management and say, hey, you just sold off David Robertson, get me the hell out of here. Well, I'm sorry, Max, it ain't that easy. You make a lot of money, you've had an average season, how much are the Mets willing to pay to get a B-level prospect back? Dude, I wouldn't do that. I'll make this very, very clear. If I'm paying a big part of his salary, even if I'm not, and I'm getting B-level prospects back, I'd rather just pitch you every five days and have you on my team next year. Like, what benefit do the Mets get other than us just not seeing his face anymore? If that's what you want, and if that's what some fans want, like, I just don't want to see him anymore, then fine, do it. But tell me how that makes the Mets better. Now, if you're getting a big prospect back for him and you're paying off a big part of his salary, fine, fine. Then then it's a different discussion. So I'm not surprised. Pete that Max Scherzer's looking at where the Mets are saying, what the hell's going on? I think everybody was taken by surprise that they traded David Roberts and they the media and we played this clip on the show on Friday cuz it was hilarious to me. Pete Alonso was told about the trade and he couldn't even think of an answer. He was like, "Uh uh um, well, um uh well, I I I wish David the lo- best of luck." Like he was stunned. So of course the locker room's going to look at this and say, "What the hell's going on?" Now, I don't think The locker room necessarily is going to quit. The guys are going to try their hardest. I think, and Tiki made this point. It was a good point by him. And I got an email from a fan saying the exact same thing. So you had the former player, and then you had a random fan. i give you the guy's name, Dan uh, Fijiani, who emailed the same thought, which is, this trade looks like it made the Mets uncomfortable. And it made the roster realize, hey, there are going to be repercussions. Dan wrote... I think that the fact that Robertson was the first one traded was a clear message to this team. They had a hundred plus games to figure it out and play up to their capabilities. And they failed for the first time in three years. They're facing repercussions for their poor play and not just coddled and told how good they are. Like they've been. I watch every single post game. And this is the first time I've actually seen them uncomfortable in the locker room. It's way past due, and hopefully this sets a tone of accountability from this point forward that this core desperately needed. And I think that's a great point by Dan, and Tiki made this point on the air too. And while that's fine, you're still making your job of competing more difficult because you just weakened your bullpen. So, like, I get the idea of, "Oh, this is good. This is going to make uh, guys feel uncomfortable, and maybe it's going to force guys to step up or whatever theory you want to come up with. That's fine. But guess what? You still took away one of your best bullpen arms.
1: I I got to be honest, Ev. I do smell this crazy run that's going to happen. And it's obviously, listen, the Nationals and the Royals, it's going to help out. that Those are the teams that we're playing right now. But I see a crazy run where the Mets actually get back into it. And game 162, the game on the line, and Adam Ottavino gives up a wall. (laughs) I'm with you halfway. I said on the air, I definitely
0: think they'll get hot now. Because I'll give you an example of where that happened. And we saw it right in our own backyard. When the Yankees sold, the one time we ever see them sell sell was 2016. They traded Aroldis Chapman. They traded Andrew Miller. I think we all remember it. And at the time... They were like right around 500. They were very mediocre, not as bad as this Met team. They made those trades and had a huge August, partially because Gary Sanchez was incredible. They pulled, I'm not kidding you, Pete. You can look this up. They got to like nine games above 500 and they got to a game out of a wild card spot. And it was early September. And then they fell up short. No, they came up short. So I'm not disagreeing with that. I predict the same thing. I agree with you now. Where I don't agree with you is I don't think they're getting it to 162 relevant. <laughs> I won't go that far. <laughs> but can they go? I think I said on this seven-game stretch against Washington and Kansas City they'll probably go four and three. They, they won't do enough. Maybe even five and two. Can I see them now going seven and zero? Oh? Yeah, <laughs> I can. And then teasing us and thinking, oh my god, how did we trade David Robertson? If we only had David Robertson, oh my goodness Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: If they sweep the Nationals, do you think all of a sudden the Mets are buyers? No. the only <laughs> You know, the only kind of buy,
0: and this is our trade deadline pod, so we're going to focus more on that coming up. The only kind of buy that makes sense is the buy for a player who's under control next year. And I know that Trevor Gott has not been good. And Trevor Gott's not the example you want to hear. The best example is Marcus Stroman from a couple years ago. If there is a guy out there who is under team control, who, yeah, can help you this year, but can also help you next year, then I think you're talking about a deal that I can see them making. But they're not trading for a rental. Like, it would be so insane on a Thursday to dump David Robertson and then on a Monday say, hey, wait a second, let's buy. I'll give you an example, and I'm not even sure he's available, but the Mets are playing the Nationals right now. They're clearly going nowhere. They've got a solid reliever. He's 31 years old, has been decent, and Kyle Finnegan. Kyle Finnegan is under team control for a couple of more seasons. If the Nationals, who aren't going anywhere now, they're not going anywhere next year, say, you know what? Uh, Let's just trade Kyle Finnegan. He's having a good year teams need bullpen arms, we'll move him. And you got him for less than what you got for David Robertson, then that's a buy that makes sense because that's a buy that, yeah, can help you now, but really more so for next year. And that's my focus going into this trade deadline. Uh, I would have said this about Robertson. I'll say it about everybody else. The Mets are not rebuilding. They're not blowing it up. Nor should they, by the way. I'm not a proponent of that. I don't think that that's really the remedy here. I wouldn't be looking at this entire roster and saying, let's trade everybody. Obviously, there's a price for everybody. You know, if somebody comes up to me and makes me an amazing offer, then, as Ted DiBiase once said, everybody's got a price. But I don't believe that the Mets have to look at this roster and just blow it up and start over. I don't think that's the case. I think that next year is a retooling. And it's going to take a lot of creativity. It's not going to be simple or straightforward. And we'll certainly get to it as we get more towards the offseason. But I have to think about next year in every trade I made. So David Robertson is a free agent. The positive is David probably enjoyed his time in New York. Go re-sign him next season. I think that's absolutely on the table because God knows the Marlins aren't a big market team. It's not like he was traded somewhere where he's going to want to stay. So he's a free agent. Fine. I was more concerned about the this year part with trading Robertson. So every other guy on this team that is eligible to be a free agent at the end of the year, you absolutely have to talk about. Those guys are Tommy Pham and Mark Hanna. And there is no doubt, especially knowing that I've got the option of calling up Ronnie Mauricio and sticking him in left field, that I have the option of moving either a Brett Beatty or Mark Vientos to left field. I've got internal options that will fill out, fill out the spot that's being created in trading Tommy Fam and in trading Marcana. And that's why I don't hesitate to beat. I wouldn't have hesitated before for shopping them and dealing them before Tuesday for the best possible return. Obviously, depending on the team that's interested. I don't know what you're getting back. I know we all want starting pitching. We all want guys that are relatively close, but clearly what we saw from the David Robertson trade is that's not going to be the primary focus. They are going to try to get the best available young prospects that are out there, but Tommy Pham and Mark canna absolutely should and need to be traded before August 1st. If you're going to sell David Robertson, you pretty much should go all the way with it. So you with me on that Pham and canna a thousand percent, Got to move those guys.
1: Yeah, and I don't even care anymore where they go because even if they stay in the in the division, it doesn't make a difference anymore because I think they screwed themselves over. But, I mean, I think I heard the rumor was the Dodgers, but, again, it doesn't make a difference. Pham, Kana, and, I mean, I did, I'd throw in a bunch of other names, but, I mean, we'll start there first.
0: Yeah, let's. so we'll go through some of these other names that you'd look at and say, okay, fine, move those guys. There are tiers of guys. Those two guys specifically kind of need to be traded. It would really make no sense after what just happened, after trading David Robertson, that you would not trade those guys. Starling Marte is a name that's been brought up a lot lately. He's hurt right now. He's got the migraines. He still hasn't been activated. Starling Marte is due to make $19.5 million next year and $19.5 million in 2025. There are two reasons why, to me, it would be stupid to trade Starling Marte. Number one, you'd be trading him at his absolute bottom in value. And I have a little bit of hope that a year removed from the surgeries that he had during the offseason, that he actually can bounce back. I think he's a really good bounce-back candidate for next season. So the idea of trading him now when you're going to have to pay off a lot of that money and get very little back makes no sense. Let's get to Carlos Carrasco. Carlos Carrasco is a free agent at the end of the season. He is making $14 million this year. Obviously, if you prorate that over what's left in the season, you're talking about a much more manageable number. He has been very up and down this season, mostly down, though his has looked a lot better over the last few starts. I would think he's got some value. Because if you're the Orioles or you're Cincinnati, two of these upstarts, you're really telling me Carlos Carrasco wouldn't help your rotation, getting a veteran like that? I think he's another guy I'd point to and say I absolutely trade him absolutely, you've got internal options despite their struggles in AAA with Tyler McGill and Joey Lucchese. David Peterson, I'm going to leave to the side for a second because I think there's other opportunities with him right now. But Carlos Carrasco is a free agent at the end of the year. And again, I I know that there's a lot of starters available. We just saw Lucas Giolito being traded and it seems like the starting pitching market is probably a little bit deeper than, say, the outfield market. Right now, at this trade deadline I, I, Carrasco's another guy, a thousand percent I'm looking to move. I assume you're with me on that one
1: i I'm a hundred percent yeah, a billion percent infinity to beyond with Carrasco, but I'm not so sold on on keeping Marte, and I'll tell you why why because I again, this goes back to the front office, and again, things may change if Stearns come comes in like we want him to, but I don't want to prevent from bringing in somebody else better than Marte because we're holding on to him. And that's my concern. The front office so far with Billy Epler has been very stubborn with their, their transactions. And if they're going to say, well, listen, Marte's got two years left and I I know that he's going to bounce back and that means that they don't go get somebody else because of that, I'll be pissed. The other guy to keep an eye on is Jose Quintana. Uh, he's made
0: two starts since coming back from the IL. He's looked fine in both. He was a great trade deadline acquisition a year ago by St. Louis. As a lefty, I think he's going to have a lot of value out there. I'd prefer not to trade him. Remember, he signed for next year, making $13 million, which I think is pretty good value. And you're going to need to fill out a rotation. You know, it's similar to our discussions about Scherzer and Verlander, which we'll get to in a second. Quintana's one of those guys that can help you next year. You have him on a one-year, $13 million deal. So I'd view it this way. I'd have a bar set on the kind of return I need to have to trade him. I'm in no rush to trade him. I think those other guys I mentioned, Canna, Pham, Carrasco, even if it's not the greatest return, I'm making a move. I think with Quintana, I got an eye to 2024. It's a reasonable contract. I'd only trade him if the return is good. As far as the aces are concerned, We all know how much money they make, the complications of the no-trade deal. Here's what Max Scherzer said after Friday night's game. Here's the complete transcript to it. So nothing is going to be out of context. So you can hear how he answered every question, then we'll discuss if Max Scherzer's a douche. You ready? Reaction to the Robertson trade. Disappointed, obviously. We put ourselves in this position. We haven't played well as a team. I've had a hand in that for why we're in the position that we're at. Can't get mad at anybody but yourself, but it stinks. No problem with that quote. He's right. Everything he said is right. The team hasn't played well. He has a right to be disappointed, but he took accountability that he's a part of why that's occurred. So that first part, I got no issue with. You with me? Yeah, no, I get that. That's that's fine. Is there a run still to be made? I've probably got to have a conversation with the front office. You traded our closer away. I'm sure a bunch of people are going to have to have conversations with the front office. (laughs) So in answering, does the team have a run to make? He basically said, I don't know, man. I don't think so. You just traded our closer away. It's honest. I'll give him that. And he's going to talk to the front office and the front office is going to say, yeah, you guys suck. We got two teenagers for (laughs) David Robertson. We're thinking about 2028. My apologies. Did you see the trade coming? I mean, look, where we're at in the standings, our record is our record. Obviously, the front office has decisions to make. Steve has decisions to make. We've got to understand what the direction of the organization is going to be. Does it change how you feel about your tenure here? Like I said, i got to have those conversations. I have not had those conversations yet, so we'll see. That's a guy definitely open to getting the hell out of here. I don't think there's any question. I think what he's saying, and it seems pretty honest, is that he wants to hear the plan. And I assume the plan is we're tearing, I don't say tearing down, we're trading guys who are free agents because that's what David Robertson is. That's who Tommy Pham is. We're mentioning these other guys, but the guys most likely to be traded are free agents at the end of the year, and we're going to trade them and replenish our system, and we plan on spending money next year, and we're going to try to win next year. I think that's the answer. Now, Max could take that answer and say, you know what? I'm good here then. We're not going to win this year, but I'll be on the team next year. I'm going to obviously opt into the final year of my deal, and I trust Steve that they're going to spend, and we'll have a chance to win next year. That could be the option, and that could be a a, a simple answer because I think that's likely what the front office would say to him.
1: Well, he, one other idea that they could do as well if they really want to work together is say, Max, listen, you sucked the season. You put us in a bad spot. Do us a favor. We're going to trade you and promise that you're going to opt out of your contract. Yeah. And then if you want to come back here and play for us, we'll rework that deal. <laughs> And we're going to get,
0: we're, we're like quietly saying, we'll give you the $45 million anyway, so don't worry. Yeah. Promise the team, walk away from the contract, and then we'll sign you next year for that money. Yeah. And we get, a, we get
1: some sort of prospect out of it. And it's brilliant.
0: <laughs> it's brilliant. It is brilliant. I don't think it'll ever happen, but yeah, it's a nice sneaky idea. That's a sneaky idea. I like it. Uh, the other question was, are those conversations with the front office, do you have to have it before the deadline? I would imagine, you've got to understand what everybody's going to do. This isn't like the trade for me out of Washington. When I was in Washington, I was about to be a free agent. Our season was going south. I wanted to get traded to a playoff contender. That was the calculus for me with the Nationals. This time around, I'm not going to be a free agent. I have another year here. I came here. We did great things last year. We won 100 games last year. Unfortunately, this year, it's not. But with Steve and the rest of the organization, you can see a path forward. You can see a path to contend next year. So that's where the calculus is different. Does the Robertson trade affect that? His response, I've got to have conversations with the front office about everything. That's the most I'm going to say. You have to talk to the brass. You have to understand what they see and what they're going to do. That's the best I can tell you. I told you I wasn't going to comment on this until Steve was going to sell. We traded Robertson. Now we need to have a conversation. I haven't had that conversation yet, and I will. So he's telling you he's opting in next year, which we know. That's why he said I'm under contract next year. And my gut from this whole thing is that between the fact that Scherzer is probably not going to have that much value and the Mets' plan is to contend next year, I think Scherzer's back. I don't think they're going to trade him. I think Max is going to be content with that because he knows this team is going to spend next year. He'll get that reassured by Steve Cohen. Max Scherzer is not going to be traded. Is Justin Verlander going to be traded? I'd be against that, too. I think it's stupid to trade either guy. I really do. I don't see the benefit. Now, if you're telling me that I'm misreading what they can get back, then maybe it's different. But if they're going to be able to only get back middling prospects for spending so much money for a guy not to be on your team, I don't think it makes any sense. Because next year you have to replace them. And if you want to sign, even if you only think Max is a middle-of-the-rotation guy right now, if you want to replace his production, it's still going to cost you $25 million a year. (laughs) That's what it costs. And then you throw in what you're spending to cover the salary that's being picked up by another team, I don't think it makes sense. I think the way you have to view it next year, and even though this means the payroll is going to get even higher, is you have to view Max and Justin as not Justin as much yet. His season's been a little weirder. I think you got to view Max as a middle-of-the-rotation guy. So when you build your rotation next year, and you've got Senga and Scherzer and Verlander and Quintana, You may say, hey, I need a top-of-the-rotation guy. I don't view Max that way. And Julio Urias certainly fits that. Shohei Otani certainly fits that. One of the recruits from Japan certainly fits that. A trade we're not thinking of, Shane Bieber, Corbin Burns certainly fits that. I I think that trading them is like this symbolic thing to some people. I don't love Max Scherzer either. I've been as critical as anybody on him. But I also want to win more than anything and i don't think it gets you closer to winning.
1: Well, here's the problem though, right? So you i think you are misreading the Justin Verlander aspect of this because he now in his last 5 games has pitched four quality starts. Um, i don't remember the exact innings but it's like his i think his ERA is like 1.69, a uh, WHIP of 1, uh, strikeout to walk ratios whatever, but he has vastly improved since the first you know, when, when he first came back from injury. So I think he's actually pitching now, again, back to that, like, Cy Young material. I think he has value. And- no, but at, but you got it. Pete, you're right how well he's pitched. That's why I didn't kind of
0: put him in that mix of viewing him as a middle-of-the-rotation guy anymore. But we have to remember how much money he's owed this year and how much money he's owed next year. There are not a lot of teams that would strictly pick that up. So unless the Mets are contributing a big number to
1: that, again, wh- why would you want to do that? Well, first of all, a team that's interested in him, by the way, is Texas. And when it comes to money, they seem to be just as crazy as as Steve Cohen is. But are they going to pick up that, that contract and give back a big-time prospect? Well, I mean, it, does Brody Van Wagenen work for them? <laughs> you can only wish, right? Yeah. But, again, if 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 Cohen does say, you know what, we'll take some of the money, let's work with it, money, but we need a better pick back, I'm telling you, the Rangers, like, here's where the Mets screwed up last year. They had a chance to go deep into the playoffs and add on to their team, and they didn't do it. I think the Rangers saw that, and they could make that move, say, you know what, Justin Verlander will make our team better. will make us a deeper team. Of course they want to go for him.
0: Yeah, but uh, no, no. Forget them for a second. What oh. about us? Oh, yeah, like, us.
1: <laughs> w- w- what do you want back? Like, I could sit here Jack and... Jack Leiter. And I, I understand I understand that he's not doing very well, but he was a, a second overall pick in 2021. He can't be that terrible. Give me Start with him. Give me another prospect. But eat a They're lot of the money. They're
0: not doing that. They're not doing that, though. Like, do you think the Texas Rangers... Even if the Mets picked up a little bit of money, are going to give up a 22-year-old top prospect for Justin Verland? I, I don't see that. When's the
1: last time they won a World Series? How desperate are they? I I got to be honest. I think that you – look at the Padres last year. They look at look at some of these other teams that, that are spending the money. Like, they realize, and they might take note from what the Mets did wrong last year. I, if I was the GM, I'd say, screw it. Let's go for it. We'll find the Listen, it's not like the Texas Rangers are doing a great job developing their pitchers anyway. Look at their other pitching staff. They, we're all free agents.
0: I, I, I get it, but I'm thinking about it from our perspective. Like I understand why Texas or Baltimore, a lot of teams, would want to go after Verlander. I'm just questioning what they're going to be willing to give up, even if the Mets are picking up a big part of that salary. You don't, th-
1: you don't think prospects are, are good enough? You don't You don't think that's worth it if it's a, a high-level prospect? It depends who it is. It depends who the prospect is. That's why it's such a hypothetical.
0: I just know that you have to replace Justin Verlander next year. If you just traded him for
1: whatever prospect, you now are building a rotation around whom next year? Lucas Giolito, Koday Sanga, and Max Scherzer your 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 third starter backs. I so mean, you're I, replacing Justin Verlander with Lucas Giolito. That's yeah, what you're suggesting. That's a start. That's do you it. think
0: that's Do you think that's an upgrade?
1: I think he pitches every day, every game, every fifth game. No, no, so Giolito
0: does. I lo- the fact that what I love about Giolito is that he takes the ball every five days, but he is an average middle-of-the-rotation starting pitcher in my mind. That's what he is. And so between the money you're putting in to just paying Verlander to go away and then the money you're paying to sign Lucas Giolito, which, by the way, he's going to be expensive despite basically being a 4-ERA pitcher. Lucas Giolito is what we hate about Max Scherzer. That's who he is. Except Giolito is in the prime of his career. That's the difference. With Scherzer, he's washed up. He's cooked. Look at his numbers this season. Look what he's done this year, and then compare it to, let's say, Lucas Giolito. It's almost the same. I mean, last year Giolito almost had a five ERA, but guess what? He made his starts every five days. So let's go have a party for him. I but mean, that- I mean to honestly,
1: uh, Ev. At this point in time, we looked at the look at the last. Two or three years of ace starting pitchers. How many have actually pitched thirty-two games for us? Well, I get that, but that's the guy you're replacing. <laughs> it's Verlander terrible. With. It's I know it's terrible, but that's that's what I'm talking about. But look around the league. Who else is there anyway? So you you're you're okay with shopping Verlander and Scherzer is The overall point. I, I would trade. I will trade one of the two, and I think you'll get more back for Verlander.
0: I don't know why you have to trade any of them. Like, I don't get why that has to happen. Like, as long as you start viewing them differently and not viewing the Mets built around two aging starting pitchers, and depending on what they do in the offseason, you may not have to. Like, if Steve Cohen is going to continue to spend, which I think we all believe he's going to, you know that Verlander will only have one year left on his deal. You know Scherzer will. That means you've got $90 million coming off the books after next season. It's all cleared. So it's not that nuts. Forget Otani. We all know everybody wants Otani. Let's say you sign Julio Urias. Who I know has not had the greatest season in the world, but lefty, still relatively young, one of the better starters in baseball. And you got to give him $40 million a year. And everybody's going to make a joke. Wow, look at the rotation. $40 million for Urias, $44 for Verlander, $44 for Scherzer, the salary of Quintana, the salary of Singa. It's absurd. Ha, ha, ha. LOL Mets. A year from now, Verlander and Scherzer are gone. They're done. You're not paying them. So why would you be afraid to pay one other starting pitcher next season who's a top line starting pitcher when you know those two guys are eventually going away? Why not milk them for everything they have left next season and then they're gone? and you have to worry about paying them to be on another team. You move on and you reinvest that money in other starting pitchers because they will be more available in free agency, whether it's Shane Bieber or Max Fried or anyone coming over from Japan. That would be my attitude. That was my strategy before this season
1: was a disaster, and I'd stick with it. Yeah, well, the, the problem is, though, is that I am concerned. I am worried that that next year it's going to be the same thing with those guys. And you're right. We have to look at them differently. We have to look at them like they are not the aces anymore and that expect the the fact that they're going to only pitch 20 to 25 Pete, games Pete, Pete, Pete,
0: hear me out on this. Let's say I'm right that they sign Julio Urias. Let's just say The Dodgers got Otani, and while they got Otani, they lost their eye on the ball, and they lost Urias. And he wants to come to New York, and he's here. Okay, just hear me out. That's the Met offseason. They have signed one of the better left-handed pitchers in all of baseball in Julio Urias. You think that's a pretty good move, though,
1: right? You like him? I'm fine with that, Yeah, 100%, yes.
0: Julio Urias, by the way, is about to turn 27 years old. Now, he's had a bad year this year. I'd be the first to tell you. But he led the league in ERA a year ago. He was third in Cy Young voting. He has been a consistent starting pitcher over the last three seasons. If they signed him and they had a rotation going into opening day next year of Urias, Verlander, Scherzer, Senga, Quintana, is that good? Yes. Oh, and now you're viewing Scherzer probably as your fourth starter because think about it. Urias is your ace. Verlander's your two. Senga's been awesome this year. Let's just all be honest about how freaking good Kodai Senga's been. I know you had your reservations. Let's come clean with how good he's been. That's your third starter. uh, Scherzer's your fourth starter. That's how you have to view them differently. If you're willing to invest in the rotation, which they should, because that's where I'd be investing most of my money, and remember, you've got some money being cleared. Canna's gone, Escobar's off the books. I think Cano is off the books finally. That's a good rotation, but you want to buy off Scherzer or Verlander and have them go away. I want them back. I just want to view them differently.
1: All right, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll I'll stop talking after this one because here's the problem, and I my concern is you just said. After next year, they're off the books. Right. And that's my problem, is that what happens the year after? And I know we let's let's take it year by year because there's always somebody and Cohen's gonna spend money, that's fine. But if you're not re you know if you're not stockpiling the 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 AAA and and the and the minors. Then what are we really doing? They're if you're, not getting those guys for
0: Verlander
1: or Scherzer. That's I guess where we fundamentally disagree. Yeah, I don't think, think they. they I, think, no I think I think I think they'll get somebody for Verlander. I truly do. I really do. And I, again, that that's me being stubborn. But whatever. And now listen. Again, I could sit there and say that next year you give me Urias, you give me Giolito, Sanga, and Kintana, and we're still in the same situation. And at least maybe you got two guys that could pitch. Every fifth day. All right. Adam Adovino. He's got a player option
0: next year at about $6.5 million. So is he a free agent? Maybe, maybe not.
1: Do you trade him? Considering I think he is going to pitch in game 162 and and give up a walk-off, yes, you trade him now. (laughs) Here's the problem
0: with Adovino and Rayleigh. Rayleigh... uh, I think would have good value. He's, he's under team control for three years. Like he's not the kind of guy Brooks, Raley. I'd be looking to trade. I just wouldn't. All There's no reason to, I'd be more looking to trade guys who are free agents at the end of the year. Not, I'd be looking to acquire Brooks, Raley. like if Brooks Raley was on any other team. That would be the reliever I'd point to and say, go bring this guy in. That's a, that's a great acquisition. Um, out of Vino and Rayleigh right now are the only two relievers in this bullpen that you can trust. I am willing to give David Peterson sort of an audition. He's looked a lot better out of the bullpen over the last couple of performances. And so that's why earlier when we were talking about, hey, if you trade a starter, you could call up Lucchese or McGill. You could even call up other guys. I mean, is Mike Vassell ready? Why not? I almost look at Mike Vassell, 23 years old. He's looked good. He's gone up a couple of layers here in the minor leagues the last uh, this past season. Why not? Is Dominic Hamill necessarily ready? These are two of their pitching prospects. And they've got a few. You know, we talk about him, they don't have any starting pitchers. They don't have any starting pitchers that were ready to help them now. But Mike Vassell and Dominic Hamill and Christian Scott was the other guy we've seen a lot about this season. These guys may come up next year. Like they may actually be able to contribute a year from now. Tyler Stewart, I think, is the other guy. Uh, So they've got some starting pitchers. They're just not helping them now. And I think for a lot of us, it's, well, what are you doing for us now? You you're going to help us now. Uh, I did read the bad news about Calvin Ziegler, who wasn't pitching this year, and he's out for the season. Look, they do need to replenish their farm system with top of the rotation arms, or at least potential top of the rotation arms. But here's what's funny. Jacob DeGrom was not projected to be a top of the rotation arm. (laughs) And someone sent me that email this week when I was – Talking about, you know, middle of the rotation prospects. Like prospects who are not, you know, projected to be top ace guys. Guy emails and says, Evan Roberts hates Jacob DeGrom. And reminded me, and I certainly remember, that Jacob DeGrom was not a highly touted prospect. Uh, There's like a hundred emails I have not gone to. Because there are just so many people pissed off at Billy Epler. Vincent Caprito writes... The Mets gave up more for Tyler Naquin and Darren Ruff last year than they got back for one of the best relievers in the market. Billy Epler needs to be locked up before he gives away Justin Verlander and Max Scherzer for a bucket of balls. Kyle M. writes, I told you so. Not sure what these prospects are, but I told you both we had to trade Robertson. I'll save the I told you so. The white flag is waving. Yes, lately we're showing fight, but if we make the last wild-card spot, do we really think we're going far in the playoffs? I'm more excited to see the kids play. This seems like the best case scenario. Can't wait for management to admit we're cooked and for us to see that we actually have uh, as far as Mauricio and Vientos. Um, By the way, those guys need to play. Like if you're waving the white flag and the Robertson train does that and the Mets are clearly moving towards replenish the system mode, then Ronnie Mauricio should be in the major leagues today. Like, Daniel Vogelbach and DJ Stewart cannot be on the field anymore. And even though Vientos has looked very shaky defensively at third base, I'd stick him in left field. Or I'd stick Brett in left field. Or I would just DH Vientos all the time and stick Mauricio in left. Or I'd stick Mauricio at second and put McNeil in left. Either way, the excuses are gone. The kids have to play. Uh, Omar Narvaez, I think he's another guy we'd all be okay with moving whatever you can get back. I'm not sure the return's going to be all that good. As far as that's outside of that, I mean, you're not looking to trade any of the core guys, right? Pete, Jeff McNeil, Brandon Nemo. No, right?
1: Um, i definitely not trading Pete because, I mean, he is only, what, like, 25, not 25, but he's about, he's about what? 50 home runs away from breaking the 75 home runs away from breaking the record, uh, for most home runs. That guy is a met for life. There's no question. I'm not trading Pete Alonzo, but if you told me that someone really wanted to bring, uh, give you a haul for either Nimmo or McNeil, I would highly consider it. Uh,
0: I'd probably, if his value was higher, Like And I just can't see that being the case. I'd be more open to trading McNeil because of his age, and I think he's more replaceable. Brandon Nimmo is very tough to replace. There are not a lot of really good center fielders. I think Nimmo, kind of like Alonzo, is a Met for life. The reason I wouldn't trade McNeil is I just don't think his value is as high as it should be. That's terrible
1: right now. It's awful.
0: Right. So that's why I'm turned off by that idea. I'd rather get him going. Obviously, there's not enough time before the trade deadline for that to happen. But I, I'm not trading Alonzo. I'm not trading McNeil for the most part. I'm not trading Nimo. I'm not trading Lindor. Not that anybody's going to acquire him. I'm not trading Beatty or Alvarez. It is an opportunity for the next two months to see the young guys. But we're about to get teased. That's all I admit at Mets fans. We are about to get teased. They've won the first two games of this Washington series. We are about to watch the Mets go on a little bit of a run. And I think they're going to get as close to th- as three games out of the wild card spot before we get punched in the balls. That's what I think is going to happen. That's my overall prediction on the, uh, the state of the Mets, but it sucks, man. I think a part of what is making this so difficult is that this was as hyped up a season as we've had as Mets fans coming off 101 wins and the disappointment at the end of that season. This was a hyped up season. And to be sitting here in late July talking about selling off guys and replenishing the farm system it is the nightmare scenario and now as a sports fan I've lived multiple nightmares from the demise of the Nets to the demise of the Mets it's like you can't have good things it's unbelievable now I don't want to say this is about to happen to the Jets I don't want to say that I don't want to say that I don't want to even though I've thought it and maybe I have said it I don't want to put it in the atmosphere anymore but it is a massively disappointing season one other thing before we go and we'll have another rico right after the series ends, we'll recap the series, see if there's been any more trades. Though we will try if there's any more met trades to do an instant reaction. Um uh, it was tough on Thursday night. It was just it was a, it was a special circumstance that made it very very difficult. But what the hell is going on with Bartolo Colon? It comes out on Friday that not only are the Mets going to have like a big sexy long sleeve t-shirt night, or a long sleeve shirt night, but that Cologne is officially retiring and he's retiring as a Met. I, it, this does not make any sense to me. Bartolo Cologne had a 21-year career. Bartolo Cologne won a Cy Young. Bartolo Cologne is not a Met. I'm sorry, like he had some good years with the Mets. He was not a bad Met, that's for sure. But he's a Cleveland Indian. He's an L.A. angel, I guess, sort of. He's not a Met. And yet he's retiring as a Met and we're giving out a shirt. What the hell is this all about?
1: Well, I got to be honest. I think he had the most fun with the Mets. like I feel like the fan base latched on to him for some reason, unlike other places. And that's why. And if you remember, for the longest time, he kept on wanting to come back. He didn't want to retire. He was doing – even after, even last year, he was, like, you know, showing, like, uh, demo tapes or, or video reels of him throwing, like, hey, I'm ready, put me in, coach. I, I feel like Bartolo – He's more attached to New York than we even know about, and it's it's odd, it, but it very much reminds you of when the Mets decide to sign, sign Tim Tebow to a minor league deal. It's like, hey, the team sucks, but uh, here we got a little, little, uh, little, little, little fun going on that you'll enjoy before the season's over. He's like a
0: mascot in a way. Bartolo Colon has <laughs> sort of been a Mets mascot. He was not a bad Met. I didn't dislike Bartolo Colon, but it's incredible how he's become such a cult hero. And I guess people forget that he was accused of doing steroids and he was accused of living a double life with a second family. Like, that kind of stuff just gets forgotten about. Right? We, we don't talk about that stuff. He's just lovable because he's big and he's fat and he hit a home run in San Diego. <laughs> That's really what it comes
1: That's down really to. That's really what it is, It's the Grand Slam. And, and the the entire team walked out of the dugout. No one was there. It was great. It was a, it was a great moment, and that will live in Mets history. Yes, it will. Yes, it
0: will. You can email the pod to com. We appreciate all the angry emails. A lot of people have said it's cathartic for them to write their thoughts down on the state of this Met team. And hopefully you hang in there with us because we're not going anywhere, even though the Mets are quitting. We'll be doing Ricos after every single series they play, throughout the series that they play.
1: Are you going to start turning into Bob Uecker of uh, Major League? What does that mean? Well, are we going to start doing a little drinking when we do these
0: podcasts? Oh, well, I (laughs) I think you want to do that. Yes. Hoff's got rave reviews. When Pete Hoffman is drunk, apparently he makes better Met points.
1: That's what I was told. (laughs) I'm not drunk now, so this is probably awful.
0: (laughs) No, it's fantastic. Uh, Thank you very much for listening and downloading Rico Bronya. We'll give you another one as soon as the Mets make a trade or after this series ends on Sunday night. Thank you, and good night, and goodbye.
1: We hope you enjoyed
0: this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.